Welcome to Feeding Frenzy, a podcast brought to you by the Breastfeeding Resource Center. The BRC is a nonprofit organization in Abington, Pennsylvania. We're here to provide support on various parenting topics to help you get through the roller coaster ride of parenting. I'm your host, Colette Acker. Let's take this journey together. Welcome. Today's topic is returning to work, and everyone has such a unique story as everyone's work and family life situation is so different. And we have Malika Montgomery Davidson, Esquire, with us today. Welcome, Malika. Thank you, Colette. I'm happy to be here. Malika is on the BRC Board of Directors, and it's been about a year, hasn't it, Malika? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's been, yeah, it's been a year. So, the majority of our board is made up of previous clients, which includes you. And I love the variety of talents our clients and volunteers bring to the table. So why don't you first tell us about yourself, your family, and your work? Okay, so I have two biological children. I have a son, Caleb, who is 13. Um, I was able to breastfeed him for 10 months. And then I have my four-year-old, Morgan, who we made it 18 months thanks to the BRC. (laughs) I I didn't know about the BRC with Caleb, and I wish I had because I definitely feel like I would have had a better experience with him. Um, but I'm married. I've, it'll be seven years this March. Nice. Um, and I have three, I, li- I like to call them my bonus children. Uh, they are 18, 23, and 24. Wow. <laughs> so we have, we have a pretty big gap in our family when it comes to children. Um, and then I do also care for my, my 96-year-old dad, who definitely likes to add a little spice to life every once in a while. As they do. Navigating that. <laughs> I'm certainly in the same boat, and I understand being a member of the sandwich generation. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, obviously, as an attorney, you have worked hard to obtain that degree, and your you know role in work is super important. So... Tell us about what you envisioned your return to work was going to be like. So my return to work with Morgan, I thought it would be very simple. I thought it would just kind of flow easily, right? Because we were home and she breastfed so well. And and because of the assistance of the BRC, I was going to the support groups. So I just assumed, oh, this will be absolutely no problem, right? And what I didn't think about was all of the preparation that I would have to do, all of the time that I would have to spend just making sure that everything was in place and organized. Um, it, it was like having a third job. Almost. It was like right. wife, and mo- wife, mother, and then breastfeeding mother, right? And, and then I had to navigate that. So yeah, it's, um, a, it, it's a huge yeah. step. Um, it's not an easy transition. And I, I often tell people, I'm like, Every transition in life is insane and you have to find your groove. So what was your reality about returning to work? 
So my reality was that I did have the benefit of having my own office. Um, so I was able to at least have that privacy of having my own office. What I did not have was a refrigerator in my office. So I would have to make sure that I had a container that had my name on it because there were times when milk would go missing, not intentional, but someone would, you know, think it wasn't milk or didn't know what it was and maybe took something out of the refrigerator and then forgot to put it back. And I'd find my little container on the counter and I'm thinking, oh my God, that's milk. How long has it been out? I have no idea what's going on. Are you serious? Um, <laughs> it was and and you know as any breastfeeding mom knows milk is a precious commodity yes. <laughs> if you spill a drop you are like oh my god what am i gonna do so just making sure things were properly labeled making sure i had all the necessary tools with me making sure i obviously had things to sanitize and clean everything um, I, I think I think a unique experience for maybe a, a an attorney mom or a mom that's working in a courtroom was I would I was in the middle of a homicide trial and I had to pump in a side room in between you know breaks and um, I, I did have the benefit of a judge who was very understanding and so you know he was just like oh Miss Montgomery do we need a comfort break yes judge I need a comfort break oh that's and amazing I go, and he was can definitely I just ask. Was it a male or female judge? It was a male judge. Ah, I love it. It was, it was a male judge, but I will say this. A male judge surrounded by women. <laughs> so. He knows to watch his P's and Q's, right? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. That's um, amazing. Um, yeah. So. And I definitely different in 2018 with Morgan than it was in 2009 with Caleb. I think everyone has has definitely evolved and understood more about breastfeeding and how important it is and how important it is to support mothers. So mothers should feel comfortable stepping up and advocating for themselves in those spaces to make sure that they have what they need to pump as a working mom, because it's not it's not easy and it's something we should have support when we're navigating it. Yeah. So today I just attended a webinar about new pumping laws. And so are you a salaried employee? I am. I yes. am. So you were excluded from the previous laws. It was only hourly workers. And now salaried workers are included. But it sounds like you had a good experience, <laughs> even yes. though you're a salaried employee. You know, and I think their thought was, well, salaried employees, you can manage your time but as a lawyer you can't do that, yeah. that the same. <laughs> no they the manage same. your time right yes yes and especially as i'm a criminal defense attorney so we're not just talking about money we're talking about someone's life right and so when it came to making sure that the work got done you know, there were times I pumped in the car yeah. driving to and from work because, you know, thankfully, like I said, the difference in the years from 2009 and 2018, by 2018, we had the free me that I could connect to my pump in the car with the, the, um, adder to the cigarette lighter. Right. Um, they're not cigarette lighters anymore, but the, with the adapter. <laughs> the old school. Um, but yeah, you, you just, you, you navigate it and you do what you have to do. Yeah, so I, I can only imagine as a criminal attorney there, you know, if 
whatever is happening in the courtroom or whatever preparation you need to do, time is of the essence and breaks aren't scheduled or things like that ever in the courtroom. Um, so, so before all that started, how much maternity leave did you get? So if, so I work for the state, so it's dependent upon how you deliver. So if you have a natural birth and not a C-section, you're given six weeks. If you have a C-section, you're given eight weeks. You're given that additional time. By natural, you mean vaginal delivery. Vaginal. By natural, I mean vaginal vaginal delivery. Um, And so six weeks versus eight weeks. And then we do have, because I work for the state, we do have FMLA that you can take. And do you work for Pennsylvania or New Jersey? New Jersey. Okay. Just wanted to clarify that. And so yeah. how, so did you get 12 weeks? So I had six, I had both of my children vaginally. So I had the six weeks and then I had an additional 12 weeks of FMLA. Okay. You can, and you can split your FMLA. So what I did with, I didn't do it with Caleb, but what I did with Morgan was I took my six weeks and then I took, I had her in June. I took from June until October. And then in October, I went back to work for, from October until the end of December. Okay. And then I went out again and took the final por- portion of my FMLA and was out from January until February. All right. So uh, okay. just to finish out that time. And clarify with us, what was your payment during that time? Was it full pay? No, so um, I had partial disability pay. Yeah, because um, you're a then, mother, so you're disabled. There's something because I'm with disabled, that. right? I'm a mom. I'm disabled. I, have to, you know, I've given birth. Yeah, yeah. There's something um, so wrong. There's something wrong. There's something wrong, right? So I had partial disability pay, and then I still had to pay for my health care. Okay. I had still had to pay because normally if I was full time working, that payment would have come out of my salary. But since I was not considered full time working, I was disability working. I had to pay that premium myself and send in a check every um, two weeks. Yeah. So super important to check with the HR and what kind of things are in place because every place is so different. And uh, from the families I work with, you had a good, (laughs) which, you know, is, it it doesn't even sound that good, but (laughs) it was better than I know. And it it would always amaze me when I would speak to other mothers just being in the support. And that's why I think the support groups are so helpful, because it gives the moms an opportunity to speak to each other and navigate those things together, but also hear how others' experiences are going um, so that we can all just learn from each other and have that support so that if your situation is different and you don't feel that supported at work, at least you can get some support from your fellow moms who are dealing with similar situations. But yes, definitely check with your HR because every, whether it's private industry, whether it's the state of New Jersey, the feds, the state of Pennsylvania, every situation is different. Or a small nonprofit. Um, so, or small. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very different. Um, so let's talk a little bit about before your return to work and what I find as a lactation consultant, I will be helping to latch a baby in labor and delivery. And the parent is asking, when can I start pumping? I have to go back to work. So 
It's obvious that this is a huge stressor, very concerned. So how soon did you start pumping and collecting extra milk? So I actually pumped quite early because my both of my children were jaundiced. Okay. So they were under the lights. And so I ended up pumping in the hospital, not to store for work, but in order to feed them. Right. Uh, once we got out of the hospital, I stopped pumping because I, that's what I was told to do. I was told to stop so that I didn't overproduce milk. Um, I would say probably at about six weeks old is when I started, I would nurse and then I would pump and whatever, whatever it was that was left is what I would store and just have. And I would initially just have like two ounce bags that I would freeze. And then, um, as I got further along and closer to work, then I started being able to pump a four ounce bag because at that point that's what she was eating. So were and you pumping I would, once a day? Once a day. Once I a would day. pump once a day. Once a day because I didn't want to overproduce. I didn't want to overstimulate myself. So or, I would pump once a day. Or my other thought is like taking milk from your baby. So at six weeks, your milk supply stabilizes a bit. And if people over pump at that point, they do it several times a day. You might be taking the milk from the baby. So yep. I love that you did that once a milk and or once a day. Sorry. And were you concerned about pulling together a freezer stash? So I was, and I got such anxiety about it. I was, I was literally freaking out thinking, I'm not going to have enough. Uh, what if I get stuck in court all day? What if I can't make, what if I get home late? How is Kenny, you know, my husband, how is he going to feed her? What do we, I don't, you cannot give her formula. Cause in my head, it was, if, if you give her, <laughs> and, and, and I created so much anxiety in myself. I ended up, I ended up impacting my production because I was so stressed out worrying about making sure she had enough milk. And in reality, your body knows and your body will produce. And if you calmed, I had to just calm down. And once I calmed down, she and I were both fine. We were both fine. Yeah. And I think that's a huge thing is people trying to build the freezer stash. And I really try to tell parents that... When you're returning to work, what you pump while you're at work should equal what the baby's taking in. And okay, occasionally you might miss it because of a meeting or you're in court. <laughs> trial. It's a criminal <laughs> trial. She can't walk out. So in those situations, you dip into the freezer stash, but really yes. you can't dip into that freezer stash regularly or the supply is no. going to dwindle. So- I really like to stress that that building this massive freezer stash isn't really what you need to do and take those early weeks to just bond and not yes. have to do all this extra work. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And once I stopped having the anxiety about that and just bonded with her and didn't worry about building that stash, we were perfectly fine. And so, for instance... Sunday night, I would pack in her bag what she was going to take to daycare on Monday. And Monday, I would pump. Whatever I pumped at work on Monday went into the fridge to go for Tuesday. And if on Monday I only pumped two bags instead of three bags, then I took one bag out of the freezer right. and she was fine. And then the next, and it would just, it would go like that so that what she was drinking was fresh milk from the day before. And the freezer stash was just used to supplement 
if if I were short one day. Right. And it, it carried us for 18. She was 18 months. We pu- I pumped and nursed her for 18 months. That is Using amazing. that system. And, and so that's the key thing I want to say that if you're dipping into that freezer stash daily, that you need to call right when that starts to happen because something's not right. And right. Um, you have this massive freezer stash for some people and they're just, I have all this milk and I'm dipping in, but then they hit this roadblock. So using it for emergent purposes is yes. ideal. So that was awesome. Great class in case of emergency. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so... Um, tell us a little bit about what your childcare was like, like your morning routine, taking the baby to childcare. How, how did that all work? So I would, you know, at night I would pack her bag, have her, I had this, um, it was like an ice pack bag. So it had an ice pack built into it. So I kept the bag in the freezer, the milk was in the fridge. And then in the morning I would put the milk in the, um, bottles because her milk had to be in the bottles when it went to the daycare and so I would put it in the bottles and then put the bottles inside of that freezer bag that would just keep it cold um but basically I would just get up I would nurse her first thing in the morning so that she went to daycare on a full stomach um I would send her in with three four ounce bottles and typically she would only drink two um Hmm. some days she drank three depending on you know how the day was or how late she ended up staying um, and then it, what I would do is as soon as I picked her up and got her home, I would nurse her Yeah, because I'm thinking you empty me out <laughs> and, and it was a good time for us. It, it gave me a time to relax. It gave her some time to bond with me. Um, yeah, there's but that reconnection she... after work yes. when you've been away from each other. And I, I say that to people, you know, we run into families who are having difficulty with latch and you know, and I stress to them, I'm like, they start pumping and bottle feeding. I'm like, that's great. But, you know, give it time. Don't just push that away. Because when you go back to work, that reconnection after work is so lovely. And you get to sit down and put your feet up. Yes! <laughs> that was the best thing. I would come in the house and my husband would say something. I'm, I'm nursing the baby. <laughs> nursing the baby. I can't do anything. I'm nursing the baby. <laughs> is it. This is all I can do right now. Um, so were you the person dropping her off at daycare? Yes. I was typically the one that would drop her off at daycare. Sometimes my husband would do it if I had to be in early, but typically it was me. And so how long was your work day typically? So I would say I had to leave at 8 a.m. And I was typically home by 5.36. Okay. So it was pretty typical nine, 10 hours. And yeah. that's that's good. And she would eat eight to twelve ounces while you were away. Um, mm-hmm. Did she nurse a lot at night during, uh, for a period of time? So yes, there was a lot of cluster feeding at night, especially when I I feel like when I first went back to work, it was almost as if she knew I wasn't there during the day, and so at night she would just cry and. And and it was un, it was unusual because she was such a good sleeper. So I would end up in her room, we'd rock in the in her chair, and I would you know nurse her back to sleep or just lay her on my chest, skin to skin. I I would do skin to skin with her as frequently and as often as I could. Um, I, I don't know if it truly made a difference. I feel like it did. I did not do skin to skin with Caleb when he was born. The minute Morgan was born, I had her on me skin to skin. That's awesome. And I. 
feel like it helped my milk come in. It helped us form this connection. And she literally just laid on me until she naturally rooted to my breast and started nursing. And and I like I said, I had the best experience with her. So I, I'm a proponent of skin to skin. I'm a proponent too. And mm-hmm. that'll be our next podcast. Okay. <laughs> all about skin to skin and the benefits all about for all of you guys. Um, um, so like... Take us throughout your day. Um, what were your, you know, workplace accommodations like? Did you have to, uh, you, you already talked about that uh, your supervisor was um, very good about getting you what you needed. But so did you contact them ahead of time and tell them what you needed or how did that go? Um. So, yes, I told my direct supervisor that, you know, look, I'm coming back. I'm going to be nursing and I need to make sure that, you know, there's a fridge. We had a fridge in our kitchen. So I was like, okay, fine. You could use that. Um, I also wanted to make sure I had a space to store my pumping material, you know, my pump and, and my, the flanges and, and, and making sure just that all of the utensils were there and available for me. And also the privacy, you know, I, I, thankfully I had my own office, but I had to remember to close my blinds. Yeah. August one day I did it. <laughs> well, I'm and that's the, the other thing is that the new thing is this open work concept. So it we was. used to have like these cubicles and the paneled offices with big doors. And now we have this open work concept in many places, which can make it a lot more difficult. Yeah, no, definitely. And like now at that time I wasn't, but now I am a supervisor. So now I have to be mindful of, I do have staff that do not have offices. And so when they're returning to work and say to me, oh, I need a space to be able to, I have an office in our, on our floor that that can be your room. That's where you can nurse. You can have all of your materials set up and do whatever you need to do. Um, so they and, do it in your, they, op- it. they do it in your office. <laughs> so they, I have an office set up next to my office where I'm like, go pump. Yeah. So like the new accommodations or the new laws, obviously we've had this for a while um, where there has to be a private place. There has to be an electrical outlet. Um, Like extras are a sink and a refrigerator. Right. Um, And so like, was there a designated space for that in your office or no? No, there's not a designated space for it. You basically have to navigate it in the common space. So our common kitchen, um, we have a common kitchen that's available to all staff. And so, yes, there's a sink in there. There's running water. There's a refrigerator in there. Uh, the only other water, running water in our in the office is the bathroom, which right. nobody wants no. to do that. No yeah. one's going to do that. So, so yeah, wash- you had to navigate it in the common kitchen. So you're washing your pump parts where everyone else washes their lunch dishes and you're leaving yes. them out to air dry with everyone else's lunch dishes? What's going Yeah, on? so I would wash them and then I would wrap them all up and then I would take them back to my office so that they weren't in the common area because people. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, I would, so I would walk them back to my office, leave them in my office until it was time for the next pump. And then I would pump it in my office. And so I had two separate bags. I had the clean bag after I washed them, put them in the clean bag, take them back to my office. Uh, once I was taking them to the sink to wash them, I had a dirty bag, dirty bag. A, a milk bag. 
uh, because it's not dirty, it's milk. And I would walk them back to the kitchen in that bag to wash them and then put them in the clean bag to take back to my office to air dry. And so did you have several sets of pump parts? How did you manage that? So yes, I had several sets. um, And then sometimes I would put them in a bag. And then at one point towards the end, I did end up buying a small fridge to put in my office. And so then I was able to store my pump parts in my personal fridge that was in my office. Um, But that was, you know, later towards the end. Yeah. And so there's no evidence to support that of refrigerating your parts. I I want them to do a lot more research because I would love to be like, do this. But yeah, I have to go with the evidence. So um, many families are putting their pump parts in a refrigerator in between pumping sessions and continually use them and then wash them at the end of the day. But again, keep in mind, people, there's no evidence to support that safe. Logic, yes. logically thinking, <laughs> you know, uh, if they tell us that milk is good for six to eight hours at room temperature, you could put warm milk on top of cold. You think it might yeah, be but, good, uh... but we need to do more research so we can s- state that yeah. specifically. Make sure we're being safe and, you know, protecting our babies. So. Yeah. Um. So... You were pumping two or possibly three times a day? I was pumping three times a day. Nice. Okay. So that's a big thing too. Like if you're working an eight hour shift and you're travel and everything, you're away from the child for maybe 10, three pumping sessions is really important. And to make people understand that it's that frequent. So sometimes... People think like, I'll pump at my lunch break or, you know, I have this, but you really need to do it three times a day. No, you you definitely should at a minimum of two, because the days that I didn't do that and I just tried to pump during my lunch break because maybe I just didn't feel like it in the moment. I was exhausted, you know, oh, I got to go to the kitchen and get the parts. So the days that I didn't do that, I could tell the difference in how much milk I produced for her. And those were the times that I'd have to dip into my emergency stash because I didn't pump enough. Right. So and not only does it impact that day, it might impact the next day. Um, yep. So you might have less as the days go on. Um, so like, Tell us, what was the biggest obstacle specifically for you? The biggest obstacle for me in returning to work? Ooh, that's a good one. I I mean, it could be anything from leaving your baby to washing your pump parts to, it could be anything. So leaving her was hard. Yeah. I don't think we talk about that enough. No, but it was, it was, it was like every morning I had this like emotional, I would stand at the door of the daycare and just kind of look and, you know, it's like, oh, I just want to be with her. I want to smell her. I want to snuggle with her. And I don't want it to, you know, as a mom, right. That's just, we have that connection to our babies. Also, I was, a, she was a later in life baby. You know, we went through a lot to have Morgan. She was a, she was a three-year oh, that makes <laughs> mission. It, yeah. You worked hard. Was, yes. We, we were, we and not hard. the regular way. 
Yeah, not the regular work. Not the fun way. <laughs> not the fun way, no. <laughs> you know, it was, it was, there were a lot of needles involved to make sure that we could have her. And, uh, and a lot of emotional ups and downs, you yeah. know, in trying to get pregnant with her. So it was just, it was hard for me to leave her. Um, and so I had to get comfortable with that every day and in, initially. And what I, I did appreciate and what I'm glad that I was able to do was to go back and then come back home. Breaking up my leave was definitely helpful to me to make sure that I was comfortable with her being away from me. I was comfortable being away from her and knowing that she was safe. And then in that that four-week period where I was back home with her, yeah. then when I did go back to work, then I, I felt great about it. Oh, that's then, so I nice. felt great about it that second time. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of had to feel each other out and see how she felt and see how you felt and yes. all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's so hard. Um, and especially when you're dealing with infertility problems, this is a special child that you worked really hard for. And emotionally, it's just absolutely exhausting what families go through. So you're just like, yeah. here she is. And they're like, you're going to take <laughs> You know? Here she is. You struggled for this baby. Now leave her with a stranger and go to work for eight hours, 10 hours a day. Yeah, and you have so. other kinds of, you know, crazy things bopping around your head. You're a lawyer. I'm sure you make a decent amount of money that contributes to your family. And yes. you can't stop doing that. Or you, And it doesn't matter what level of money you're getting, but your contribution to the family yes. is huge and you just can't stop doing it. You can't stop that. And especially for families that have multiple children, you know, it's... The reality is, is that this day and age, most families are two income households. And so just saying, okay, well, one of us isn't going to go to work isn't the option, but you still want to make sure that you're able to provide for your child um, the best that you can. And, you know, if you want to nurse and you're able to nurse, you should be able to do that without feeling like you're inconveniencing someone else because you need to take 20 minutes to go pump your milk for your baby. Right. So. And the other thing I learned on the the new laws is that let's say you're pumping and you're doing work while you're pumping, it does not count as a break. And so if you're answering emails, reading journal articles, you're doing whatever you lawyer people do <laughs> in between cases, <laughs> uh, you know, that kind of thing, you know, with you know, healthcare professionals, we could sit there and chart all day. Then yeah. it doesn't count towards your break time. So that was another thing that changed in the new laws with pump. Oh, that's good. Yes. And, you know, the other thing, and and I don't think Malika knew that I was doing this webinar today, so I'm throwing new things at her. But um, you can't be fired or demoted um, from your job, but you can be moved to a different position to accommodate your needs. And the, the first thing that popped up with me were, um, police women. So, um, being out on the streets, wearing a bulletproof vest is not conducive to pumping. So they can move them to a desk position temporarily while they have this done uh, to accommodate their pumping needs. And that's important to know. Um, and the other big thing is that it shouldn't be difficult to access 
uh, the place where you're pumping. So you see some of these big companies that they're like, we have a pumping room. And they're like, yeah, it takes me 20 minutes to get to the pumping room, another 20 minutes to pump, and then another 20 minutes back. And they're dipping into that and people are getting mad. So those workplace accommodations have to be accessible to the worker. And that's great that they put that in there. So a lot of those um, things have changed. And I, Malika, this is a breastfeeding podcast. So when children pipe in, it is fine. <laughs> As you can hear in the background, right? She's like, mommy, mommy. <laughs> and we're on Zoom. So I can see Malika's face and she's like, oh my gosh, it's fine. Um, so, um, two more things and then I'll let you go. So what was the most difficult part about returning to work and what is a piece of advice that you would give to anyone? So the most difficult part about returning to work was, like I said, the separation from her, but I would also just say the time and preparation that you have to put in to making sure or you have everything that you need and that you're set up in your office and not feeling guilty for doing what you need to do in order to be able to feel, feed your child. Because whether that guilt comes from the other children you may have in your household, your coworkers, your supervisor, and people, and not necessarily directly, but you'll hear like little commentary like, oh, Malika's pumping. So uh, yes, Malika's pumping. Taking her break. Chilling out. I'm taking my breath. <laughs> with your nipples in a machine that's plugged exactly, into the wall. You say, this this isn't like fun for me. No. I'm I'm attached to a machine that is literally sucking milk out of me. It's not exactly the no. joyful moment of my day. No, not the joyful moment of motherhood. No. Um, and so then I would say the advice that I would give to anyone is skin to skin. Like the minute that baby is born, whether it's by C-section, whether it's vaginally, definitely skin to skin, reach out for support groups. The BRC is available. They have a ton of support groups. It just re and, and even if it's not the BRC, just reach out to other moms in a similar situation and at a similar, find moms that are at a similar time, but also maybe a mom whose baby is a month older than yours. Oh, good and idea. Because that mom has been through the stage that you're in and can give you some advice on how they got to where they are. And and, and they're they're closer to your time frame. So it's not as if you're talking to a mom that's like, oh, I nursed 10 years ago. If you're talking to a mom who was just had a newborn just four weeks ago yeah. and now you have a newborn, it's more closer in their mind to be able to assist you with that. Um, yeah. So that's I, what I would say, the support. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we do our once a month back to work support group and it's virtual. So you don't have to even live in our area to join that. And I love and I, I encourage people who have gone back to work and done it to join us so they can support the people who are just starting and give them pointers. Cause that's so important. Yeah, no, some of the best days I had were the days of all of us sitting in that room in the BRC and our babies just kind of roaming there together and all just looking And every once in a while, you would just see a bunch of moms with their breasts out breastfeeding. It was the most beautiful thing. <laughs> it was, it was, and it was, it was the, I loved those Tuesdays. I did. I loved it. I, aren't they the best? I, yes, I even, I mean, my oldest is 32 and I was just like, 
we only had them once a month when my kids were little. And I was like, tonight's the nursing mother support group meeting. Gotta go. Like, it was, this was go. my main priority in life, just to speak to other people who were experiencing yeah. the same thing that I, I was doing. So peer support's awesome. Peer support is awesome. Well, I... Thank you, Malika. This has been wonderful, and I hope it helps other new families who are returning to work. Thank you so much, Colette. It was my pleasure. All right. This is Colette Acker, and this is The Feeding Frenzy. Thanks for listening to The Feeding Frenzy. The BRC is a nonprofit organization committed to providing expert clinical and educational breastfeeding services. Find out more about us at breastfeedingresourcecenter.org.